everyone's half awake, half asleep. How was the? Uh, how was getting up this morning? Was that a struggle after that? Tough, eh? Tough. It was pretty hard in our household, I tell you. Um, so this morning we're going to be continuing our series on simply Jesus. Um, if you've not been around those la- these last few weeks. Um, you can still catch up. So um, if you go to riversidevineyard.com slash talks, you'll find all the talks there. um, And we'd love you to have a listen to those and catch up. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus, our healer. Um, And, um, you know, we we experienced God's healing, not just here on a Sunday, but wherever we are. And uh, we're going to show you a short little video that's going to tell you a little story. So on Monday night, it was really amazing because we got to see God's glory on a, well, in a different environment, which was Monday night football. And um, this amazing guy called Hannington. I know him as uncle in my culture, <laughs> uh, but I think I've given permission to call him Hannington in this situation. Uh, he actually, um, uh, the ball was coming into his feet and he like roughly sort of like twisted his leg in a weird angle, which wasn't great. And he went down, and at, f- like, at first I was like, this must be a joke, he must be faking it. And I was like, I saw him and he actually really hurt his knee really badly. So uh, Dave Heskin uh, came in and was like, should we pray for him? And we just all started praying and getting around him and just declaring God's love for him and um, proclaiming healing. Um, and it was really amazing because we got to see the touch of God move in an environment which you would never expect, which is the football pitch. Um, so after about 10 minutes of praying, okay, about five minutes of praying, 10 minutes is quite a long time. After five minutes of praying, Hannington just started to feel like a heat on his sort of knee down all the way down to his ankle. And um, we just kept thanking God and we just continued praying. And um, about a minute later, Hannington couldn't feel any pain. And it was amazing. Um, and I helped him up and he got up and he just started running. And it's just an amazing um, thing to experience because we got to see Jesus move in a place where you wouldn't quite expect him to move. And it just shows that he's everywhere and if you call upon his, his name in any environment, he will show up. Isn't that incredible, eh? And Hannington's here as a walking, you know, walking miracle. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, what, so what that video didn't tell you was that those that were playing heard this audible crack sound right, right there in that moment. And um, it seriously wasn't looking too great, was it? I mean, they were ready to call the ambulance. Um, and and we, we play on a rooftop as well. And so I, I don't know how they'd have got Hannington down, but um, it would have been interesting. Um, and, um, and, and so when you, you went to A&E and you got it all checked over, and, and normally when you hear a crack kind of sound, it's normally a bone or a ligament or something pretty serious. Um, and yet there was no sign of any damage, just apart from a little bit of muscle damage. So he's been cycling to work, he's been walking, he's been running. Praise God. It's just incredible, isn't it? And, and you know... There is healing available to us when we call on Jesus. And, and, and I, I, you know, there may be some of you here this morning who are feeling 
you know, you've got injuries in some way. There may be things in your body that are just not quite right. And I just want to take a moment right now. If you've got something in your body that isn't quite right, why don't you just lay a hand on it? Or, um, and, um, you know, it may be you have, have something wrong with your leg. It may be some other part of your body. Why don't you just lay a hand on it? Or if you're here, here with someone that knows you, why don't you just, you know, lay a hand on that now? And I'm just going to pray and then just invite God's presence to come. And I believe there is power and there is grace for us this morning. Holy Spirit, we are aware of your presence already. I want to pray that we would be more aware of your presence in this moment. I thank you that you know us and that you love us and you want us to, you want the very best for us. And so we command pain to go in Jesus' name. We pray for bones to be mended. We pray for nerves to be made right. We pray for muscles to strengthen and tendons to be made right again. And Lord, for all the other things going on inside us, you know, it may be headaches or all sorts of different things. We just, we just proclaim your healing in this room, in this moment. And we thank you for what you are doing right now. And we thank you for what you're going to do amongst us. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I'd encourage you, just as you, as we go through this morning, just, just be expecting of what he's going to do. And it may be if you've prayed once, we'd love you to come up again and receive more prayer as well. We believe there is healing in this space. And sometimes we just need to, we just need to be patient and, and just pray again and expect his healing to come. Okay, so um, we'll do a bit more of that later. Try something out, see how it goes. But we'd love to pray for you and let us know if something has happened. So... Um, we are talking a little bit this morning about Jesus, our friend. Now, when I started thinking about friends, I started thinking about a TV show that ran in the 90s. Um, and um, and for, for the younger generation, it's now on Netflix. So apparently, it's massive again. Um, but at, at its peak, its final, um, final episode ever um, was watched by, in the US alone, 52.5 million people. It was quite popular. Now, does anybody remember the theme tune? Yeah, a few of you. Everyone's just all going around your head now. Um, I'm not going to sing it for you this morning, um, which caused quite a bit of disappointment at the earlier service, but I'm, I'm not willing to shift on that. But I will let you know the lyrics just to remind you. It says something like this. It says, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. I'll be there for you because you're there for me too. Now, I've watched this show and I'm pretty sure that they weren't always there for them. In fact, these guys were pretty awful friends to each other. And I reckon a rewrite could be, uh, could be quite helpful here to make it things a bit more accurate. So this is my stab at this, okay? So I'm, again, I'm not going to sing. I'll, I'll be there for you if nothing better comes up. I'll be there for you if I've got over that thing you said last week, it did really hurt the time. I'm still angry at you, but I can't remember what it was. I'll be there for you if there's something in it for me. Does that sound a little bit more accurate for those of you that were fans of the show? Does it also sound a little bit more accurate in terms of our own friendships and our own relationships that we have? 
You know, I believe we live in a world that is desperate for good friendship, but it's so hard to come by. And as a result, the world is becoming an increasingly lonely and isolated place. You see, loneliness is a massive global issue affecting the young and affecting the old. In the UK alone, 14% of our population would say that they are often or always feeling lonely. You might be a new parent. You might be an elderly person living on their own or a young person. You know, increasingly, young people are feeling isolated and alone, even if they're surrounded by people that they know. Loneliness is an increasingly common reality. And it has a huge impact, not just on our mental health, and it's great we're talking more and more about our mental health. It's so important that we bring that and we talk about it and everything. But it also impacts our physical health. So the former U.S. Surgeon General, a guy called Vivek Murthy, um, called loneliness a growing health epidemic. And in, um, when he was talking about this, he cited, cited a study that claimed social isolation has a similar impact on life expectancy as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. In the 21st century, here today, we have fewer friends than any other generation in history. That means people on our streets, studying in our places of education, working in our offices and factories. Maybe that's you and I as well. Why? There's all sorts of reasons, but you know, many of us work longer hours than we've ever done before. Many of us have two jobs just to make ends meet. There's just no time for friendship. Many of us commute further and further, finding ourselves too exhausted to invest in real relationships. So instead, we binge on the latest box set on TV. Or perhaps we substitute real friendships for followers or friends on social media. Now, of the 66 million people living in the UK at the last census, 32.6 million of those are on Facebook. And 6.4 million of those people are aged between 55 and 65. So it's not just a young person's thing anymore. But sociologists tell us that these virtual connections are in fact increasing social isolation. And study after study tells us that more time we engage with social media, the less time we spend in contact with real human beings in the real world. But I believe there's a better way for us to live. You see, we were designed to live in community. We were designed to live in relationship and friendship with each other. You know, if we look at the Bible, if you look over these pages, there's so many examples of good friendship, including Jesus himself. He was the son of God, and yet he surrounded himself with 12 good friends, the disciples, and three even closer friends. Friendship is important. And so this morning, as we continue our series on Simply Jesus, we're going to be looking at Jesus, our friend. And in a moment, we're going to turn to our Bibles. We're going to read from the book of John. Um, but this is a long passage we're going to be reading this morning. And, and we do that intentionally. Um, but there's so much in here that you might want to explore later. And I'd really encourage you to do so. But I want to explore a little bit about how it tells us what Jesus was like as a friend. But before we do that, can I pray for us? Lord, I thank you that you know uh, how, how we're feeling this morning. 
You know, we know, you know whether we're feeling surrounded by friends or in a place of loneliness and isolation. And Lord, I want to ask that you would speak into our situation this morning. Lord, I thank you. This book written 2,000 years ago has so much that, um, that teaches us and guides us and helps us today. So Lord, I pray that the words that I speak and the, and the words from your word would speak into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start from reading um, verse 1 of John chapter 11. Um, and um, if you've got a Bible, do turn with it. Um, do turn to it with me. Um, the words will come up behind me. Indeed, they have already. So here we go. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay, lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. For the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you were going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God who had come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing there, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Isn't that an incredible story? Incredible story of resurrection, but also of amazing friendship. The 19th century American writer, a guy called Albert Hubbard, it's a great name, he said, a friend is the person who knows all about you and still loves you. So true, isn't it? And the Beatles, they put it really simply when they sang, I get by with a little help from my friends. See, friendship is key to living life well. You know, we all need friends. People we can laugh with and cry. People who can share our joys and our hurts. Experience the highs and the lows. To share memories, the good and the bad. You know, good friends go beyond simply helping us survive life towards living life and experiencing as it was meant to be lived. But friendship is a difficult subject to talk about. I'm sure many of us sat here this morning will have been hurt by friends, people who have broken our trust. And I've heard lots of people say to me, I don't have many friends, or at least not any good ones. But this morning, I don't want to talk about how to find friends. If you are seeking friendship and connection, I'd love you to point, point you towards joining a small group. Be part of a people to, doing life together. There's an allotment group. You get to do stuff with other people. Join a team, again, a team at, at Riverside. Do something with some other people. And there's a drop-in on a Thursday morning as well. Come along, just you know, hang out with some people, get to know some people better. But instead, I just want to talk about three keys that I think can help us all to be a great friend to others, which I, will I hope will help us all develop our friendships as we look at the example of Jesus. So if it's your first time here, if you're exploring who Jesus is, I hope it's incredibly helpful. And likewise, if you've been following Jesus for years, there's still so much more in here that we get to learn. And, and uh, I pray that you know, what I share will be helpful to you too. But good friendship starts with love. And Jesus demonstrates this so well, doesn't he? He demonstrates incredible love to so many of the people that he encounters. 
especially those who felt they didn't deserve it. You know, if we, if he was asked um, a couple of times, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And he summarized the whole of the Old Testament, the biggest chunk of this book, into two things. Basically, love God and love others. And we see that in this passage. Verse 5 tells us, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved. These verses show us the incredible depth of love and compassion that Jesus had for his friends. Now Jesus wept might be the shortest verse in the Bible, but I think it's almost also the, one of the most powerful and one of the most real Jesus didn't hold back the tears like many of us do or shed a few tears. He wept. Now, love is one of those interesting words that we like to use in so many different ways. Some of us might love Marmite. Others might not. Sometimes, so we talk about loving our mothers, loving our spouses, kids. We use that same word, love. And yet we need a few more, don't we? In the Bible, there's four main uses of the word love, and there's four different types. I'm going to explain them now. The first one being eros, which is like romantic love. Then there's storge, which is family love. And phila, which is brotherly or sisterly. And that's the most common thing we see in the Bible. And then there's agape love, God's divine love. So in verse 3, we read, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. Now the word used here is phila, or brotherly love. And as a friend, I don't know if you noticed, if we read the passage, you might think, well, Jesus, you love this guy. Why don't you go and help him rather than wait? Instead, he delays his journey back for two days. Now in verse 5 and 6, we read, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, the word here is agape, God's divine love. Because Jesus loved, he agape Lazarus, he waited. Now, sometimes we find ourselves having to wait for God too, don't we? And it's hard. It's really hard. But he longs to show us so much more. He longs to show us this agape love. The sisters, they all they wanted was for Jesus, out of his brotherly love for Lazarus, to come and make their brother well. But Jesus wanted to demonstrate so much more. He wanted to show them that there was a God who loved them divinely. And I wonder, if we think about our own context today, 2,000 years later, isn't this what we long for the people that live around us, for our communities? You know, as followers of Jesus, as adopted sons and daughters, heirs with Jesus, we carry his authority and we carry this love wherever we go. Isn't it such a privilege? We get to demonstrate God's divine love to our friends, to the people we encounter at work, on the streets, at the school gate, showing them that there is a God who loves them, a God who loves us all. Now, Paul, one of the apostles, in one of his letters later in the New Testament, he says that we are new creations, that Christ is in us. 
So we get to carry this love around with us. So who can we be a good friend to? Who can we demonstrate God's divine love to this week? Perhaps there's someone you walk past every day as you go to work that's sleeping rough by the station. Perhaps there's someone you know you always see on your own in your place of study or work. Perhaps there's someone you see every day when every time you go for a bit of peace in a coffee shop, there's someone there. Perhaps there's someone you play football with and injures themselves. Perhaps you can demonstrate God's love in that situation. You know, we can show brotherly and sisterly love to those around us. That's brilliant. But we get to carry so much more into our friendships and into our relationships. What an incredible privilege. A good friend shows love. The second one of my keys is that a good friend gives up their time for others. Now, if you read through the Gospels, there are so many times when Jesus just stops what he's doing to invest his time into others. And I'd love to set you a challenge this week. Why don't you read some of one of these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and just notice every time that Jesus is interrupted, every time he stops. And I don't want to give too much of a spoiler away, but there's quite a lot of time. So have a look at that. It's just incredible to see what Jesus did. Um, You know, Jesus' life was basically spent in the service of others. One example that I just want to highlight in Matthew 14, his cousin John the Baptist has just died. And um, I don't know, you know, we need time to process these things. So, So what we read in verse 13 of Matthew 14, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. So here we have Jesus. He's just heard this news. He wants to process what's going on, to reflect, to mourn, to grieve, to remember. But people follow him. And rather than doing what you or I might do, he has compassion on them. In his own hour of need, Jesus recognizes the need of the crowd above his own. And he gives up his time for them. I'm so humbled by that. But I love it. I, wonder, I know that I would not be so gracious in that, those moments. There's so much that we can learn. How much are we willing to be interrupted in our own lives? You know, Jesus chose to do life with others. Not for his own benefit but for the benefit of those that he did life with. So Jesus had three really close friends, James, John, and Peter. And then he had 12 good friends, you know, the disciples. And then there were 72 and probably many others that he spent his life befriending, encouraging, teaching, and, and giving his absolute best to. He gave his time to them. And we too need people around us. And we need to give up our time for for those we encounter. Because God designed us to do life with other people. And the world around us needs us to experience the love that God has for them. And as followers of Jesus, we get to be a part of that. By investing our time into the lives of the people we encounter. You know, as a gathered church, we get to play a part of that but also as we scatter into our homes, into our communities, into our workplaces. 
as we visit the elderly neighbour living on their own, as we bring meals to the parents struggling with a newborn child, as we comfort the orphan, bring shelter to the widow, bring healing to the hurting and the broken. And this isn't something just for the special few of us who feel called into this. This is something we all get to be a part of as followers of Jesus. A good friend gives up their time for others. Now the third thing, a good thing, a good friend is loyal. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with the character Thomas in the Bible, but it's my feeling that he gets quite a bad press. You know, he's the disciple we normally refer to. We call him Doubting Thomas. I mean, what a nickname. You know, I wonder if that kind of, he kind of carried that around where he went after Jesus uh, went up to heaven again. But, you know, I have a bit of a problem with this because Thomas believed, didn't he? So when he saw Jesus after he rose from the dead, he he felt the holes in Jesus' body, but he believed. This is believing, Thomas, but maybe that's for another day. But I think I just want to give him some credit this morning. You know, in this passage, when Jesus says, I'm going to take the road to Jerusalem, you know, the road back to where these people tried to stone me, the majority of the disciples just, you know, they had so much apprehension, didn't they? They said, and we can read it in verse 8, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back. To which Thomas says, let us also go, that we may die with him. And I know events maybe didn't go as planned later on, but in this moment, Thomas is willing to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Whatever it takes, I will go with you, even if it means I die. He goes with Jesus, and, and we can see that the others followed. Thomas was immensely loyal to Jesus. When his other disciples um, were filled with fear and trepidation, Thomas was the loyal and trustworthy friend. And I believe that's the sign of a really good friend, someone who will stick with us through the good and through the bad, someone who stands by us whatever the circumstances, whatever the consequences, someone who will listen to us, someone who will support us and stand with us. If we want to see more of those kind of people in the world, we need to be more like Thomas. We can't expect that in other people if we don't start acting that way ourselves. Even when we might disagree on politics or football or any other kind of thing, even when we mess up, when we fall down, when we make bad choices, we stand by our friends. What the world needs today more than ever is not more acquaintances or people who will stand by and let things happen, but real friends. Not followers or people motivated by likes on social media, but people that will point their friends towards a God who loves them passionately. And as we do that, we bring hope and restoration to everyone that we encounter. We bring hope and restoration to our streets and our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, as we demonstrate a God that loves them. Jesus chose to believe the best in others, to lift people up, to give them hope of a brighter future. He showed them love and compassion, and it cost him. But he never put people down. So I wonder, as we go about our week, maybe once we're at home, at work, in every encounter we have, each one of us has the potential to either raise people up 
to cut people down. Let us be the loyal friend. Let us be the one that shows this world a different kind of friendship, a world-changing kind of love. So I think these are really helpful ways for us to be good friends in this world, to love others, to give our time to people, and to be loyal to those around us. But just in these last few minutes, I want us to focus on Jesus, our friend. Now, later in the book of John, we read Jesus' words. He said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. There is no greater friend that we can have in life than one who would lay down his life for us. One who completely demonstrated God's agape, divine love for us in the most incredible way. You know, this passage is all about resurrection and it shows that Jesus had power over death. But there's more. He goes on to do even more when he himself dies on the cross, where he gave up his life for us so that we can enter into relationship with God through Jesus. So how do we experience Jesus as a friend? This passage is pretty clear. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do we believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. See, it starts by saying yes. Yes, I believe. Yes, today. Yes, tomorrow. Yes, the next day. And again and again and again. We get to experience more of his friendship, more of his love for us. Now, you may never have done that before. And in a few moments, we're going to give some space for that. But you know, it doesn't stop there. As we give him our yes, day by day, as we follow him wherever he leads us, as we pick up our Bibles, not just on Sunday, but other days of the week too, as we spend time in worship, as we learn to pray, you know, as we spend more time in the presence of Jesus, we get to know more of his character. God calls us his friends. And by being great friends to others, we get to welcome people into friendship with him. And we're going to take some time now just to reflect, just to pray. And what I'd love to do is, first of all, is just, um, for for some of us, we may never have said yes to Jesus. Some of us may feel like we need to reconnect. And I You know, for me, there's a choice every day whether we're going to follow him or not. But I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I'd love you to make that your own. If you you feel comfortable, why don't you just bow your heads, and and I'll lead us in a prayer um, of saying yes to Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your love for me. And thank you for the incredible example of friendship that we've been reading about today. And Lord, I want to know you as a friend. I choose to turn away from all the wrong that I've done. 
And Lord, I ask that you would enter into my heart today that I may know you as Mary, Martha, and Lazarus did. May this be the start of an incredible adventure together. Jesus, I choose to trust in you today.